Hi, Tom Bernard here. You're listening to Best of the Family. Enjoy the show. Thanks for listening. Michael Bryant, Brad, Sean Bryant, what's the latest? Uh, we're just trying to represent people who have been injured through no fault of their own. We're trying to talk to them before they talk to an adjuster or before they take a settlement that isn't something they should get based upon their injuries. How many people are out there in different, not in the law business, that love to run around scaring people before you even get to them? Well, adjusters will want to settle cases right. and they want to close files. So based upon that, they do what they have to. Um, I think there's a lot of circumstances where they probably act as attorneys where they're not attorneys and they try yeah. to explain people's rights or they give them a certain view that if they look at it. And what I always say is this, if the adjuster really truly thinks the offer they made makes sense, they'd have them come see us. You know, And that's exactly my my question is, you have to understand who has the best, your best interest in mind, correct? Well, you want to know what your rights are. You know, whether yep. or not you decide yep. you're going to hire us or not, that's a choice. It's a free consultation, and you want to understand what your, all your rights are and what coverages you have. And plus the fact, I hang out with you, so you got to be a good guy <laughs> if I'm hanging out with you. Uh, maybe. <laughs> uh, okay. Ladies and gentlemen, Michael Bryant, Bradshaw, and Bryant. Tommy, do you guys read a lot of poetry on the queue? You mean like, there once was a man from Nantucket? No, more like T.S. Eliot. April is the cruelest month, breeding lilacs out of the dead land, mixing memory and desire, stirring dull roots with spring rain. Dougie, what's wrong? You a little sad? No, other than the weather, nothing's wrong. In fact, in the Walzer world, Coon Rapids and Burnsville finished number one and two in the state of Minnesota. J.Lo finally beat Dan Resch. Wow, that's pretty cool. Is it okay if I take all the credit? Well, I'd expect nothing less. Actually, we've got great inventory of some great vehicles, and these short-term leases are perfect for people who can't get the brands that they want. You told me about those. You can drive a new Nissan for as little as 18 months, and by then the chips will be aplenty. That's it exactly. We hope by then you'll be a Walzer Nissan convert. For great deals from the Minnesota sales leaders, go to Burnsville or Coon Rapids Nissan. Dude, dude, uh, we're gonna have a guest in a couple of minutes, but I, I do want to get back to. We we're having a good, right now. I know. Who are you, oh. Candace? Yeah. <laughs> Candace. Who, who am I to say? She loves to inter- interrupt everything I say, just like you. What do you think of that action? No, she's a barn burner. It's a very nice person, actually. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, now Brian, do you put the E at the end of your name, or is it just Lazart? It's Lazarte, thanks for asking. See, Lazarte, <laughs> because some people don't go don't go with it, some people do. So it's Brian Lazarte, correct? That is correct. All right, James Lee Hernandez with us. Then uh, their uh, next series, The Big Con, a new uh, Apple TV Plus original true crime docuseries, reveals the outrageous true story of the biggest federal fraud in U.S. history. This is an amazing, that's all I want to say about it. I want to hear you guys, Brian and James, talk about this because we were just talking about the big con that the world is now. The world is nothing but a big con, basically. <laughs> uh, we certainly, uh, you know, find ourselves intrigued by, uh, you know, the the foils of our, our own greed and temptations and uh, what if, right? Mm-hmm. And in this case, it's uh, cer- 
uh, the case. I mean, it's a story about Eric C. Khan, and like literally his name is Khan. <laughs> and he pulled off the largest Social Security fraud case in history. Um, it's over half a billion dollars. Oh, wow. And he did this. Yeah, he did this, uh, you know, out of eastern Kentucky, uh, unbeknownst to so many people, um, in a small coal town uh, of, of Pike County and Floyd County, and uh, got away with it for almost a decade. And if it wasn't for the help of you know, these incredible characters that we ha- also have, these two whistleblowers, uh, he probably would still be doing it today. But of course, once he does get busted, in true Hollywood fashion, he goes on the run. I love it. We get uh, Mannix after him, the FBI, you know, everybody. Mannix? Remember Mannix? This is 1969? The only reason I know that name is because my mother loved that show. Tony Franciosa, the Tony, name of the game? Was? Anyway, no, it wasn't. Honestly, God, that, that literally is, I remember that because it was my mother's favorite crime show when I was a little boy. Mannix. In any case, um, I, Brian and James, i got to ask you both this, and actually everybody here, here in the studio as well. What is it about the human brain that I just got away with a $200 million scam, but that's not enough? I got to keep going. Why wouldn't you, after about 30, 40, 50 million, just go, goodbye? You'll never see me again. I guess it's too much fun, right? Is that what it is? Too much fun? I, I don't know if it, it's too much fun. It really is that whole situation of greed. You know, it, right. it, it starts as just something small. Okay, well. I can see a way to cut a few corners, make some extra money, and then the people involved start to like getting that extra money, and that starts to snowball into, okay, we're just going to do a little bit bigger, but this is going to be the last time. Right. Get away with that. Right. To build and build and build, and obviously it starts to turn into a golden handcuff situation where now you're used to a certain type of life, and you're used to getting away with it. And with Eric Kahn and his situation, you know, people described him as he was like addis- addicted to risk. Like he liked to do oh, crazy. Yeah. Too much fun. I mean, there's there's like a dopamine factor there, yeah, right? Getting away with, with stuff. It. Yeah. Here we go. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, I mean, it's, oh, yeah, no, no. I, yeah, I was just gonna, you know, <laughs> double down on that. And you know, he was in a lot of cases like the modern day Robin Hood, though. Uh, oh, you got to remember this for Social Security benefits um like people don't really think that uh think about social security for young people uh they associate with when you retire or whatnot but mm-hmm. there's actually a huge part of this fund it's a government spending 130 billion dollars plus a year that goes towards disability cases right so people who get injured and are unable to work and it's not a whole lot of money but you got to remember this is cold country like so there are a lot of young people who were getting injured in this small town. I mean, more people, I mean, right? And so they were all going to these disability uh, attorneys. And and Eric, I mean, he was like, he actually touted himself as Mr. Social Security, right? Um, But he kind of had this uh, bravado about him and charisma and charm and really imagined himself as like the Kentucky James Bond and would, you know, travel the world and live this lavish lifestyle and had you know, every single billboard in town did all the wacky commercials. And everybody went to him because they didn't really know of any other attorney uh, that could do this and do it as fast as he could do it. And that was the thing that made him so magical, is that he he felt he was like the expert of the system. Like, people in general had to wait about a year to a year and a half 
if, if not more, to get their benefits when they would file, and oftentimes they get denied. And he was like guaranteeing people benefits and guaranteeing them faster than anyone else, like 30 days or less. So if you needed benefits and you were yeah. out of work, like yeah. this, this guy could do something no one else could. How did he figure that out? Do you guys know? I mean, where did it all start? How did he figure it out? Well, I, you know, we did a whole four-part documentary series explaining that. <laughs> right, I understand. Uh, <laughs> oh, so you don't want to give away the, the story. Will that be airing anytime soon? <laughs> yes, will that be on television, do you know? If, uh, no, so you don't want to give it away. I understand if you don't want to give anything away, because I do want to watch the show. But, this stuff, it's just, the, the only reason that, I asked, uh, was that? Sorry, go ahead. No, you just broke up a little bit, actually. Go ahead. Uh, so the, part of it is that with um, with this situation, it really is a, a product of the system. You know, Social Security has largely been the same for 50 years or more. And uh, one thing that is a, a huge part of it is that, and this is something that Brian and I didn't even understand when we started this, you, know, you think Social Security is literally just for retirement. You hit a certain retirement age, you start to collect your your not unemployment, your social security checks. Right. But with this situation, there is actual social security disability benefits. If you get injured while you're working and you really can't work again, it's basically the same as retire being retired. You can get these benefits through social security, and it's hundreds, it's over a hundred billion dollar part of this whole entire thing. And so when you don't have the checks and balances in place to keep this thing honest, something like this can happen, and then you have public officials who can start looking at this thing like one main judge that Eric was working with, and if you have someone on the inside and someone on the outside working together, it just makes an unstoppable force. Do you guys think, I mean, did you go all the way back and study Social Security, do you think it was ever a good idea to put Social Security in the general fund? I thought that, what a huge mistake that was. Uh, well, I mean, there's there's a lot of things that are debatable about yeah. what uh, you know how how and what should have been done, and ultimately, it's where we are now, and what can we do to make this a better system, yes. right? Yes. Um, but this is this is such a it's a it's a complex uh, it's a complex wild and you know complicated um, system to navigate, and it's one of the reasons why he really was able to get away with this fraud for so many years. It's like people just weren't paying attention or they couldn't figure out what it was. I mean, on the surface, uh, like we didn't set out to say, hey, we're really attracted by Social Security. Let's make a documentary series. I mean, after uh, a few years ago, we made a, a documentary series called McMillions uh, about oh, McDonald's. Oh, yeah, sure. I watched it. And, you know, we, we, we loved how zany and quirky and funny, but yet, you know, uh, sincere that story was and relatable uh, in some cases. And the big con, you know, it's equally as, as funny and zany and wild, but it's the stakes are so much bigger. And uh, and the tragedy in this story is also far greater. So um, with, with Eric and what he was doing, he really knew how to navigate this system in a way that no one else did. And, you know, the story is just, it, it has... Uh, you know, these whistleblowers from the government agency that are like these unknown heroes uh, in this story. But it's got, you know, Wall Street Journal reporters, it's got federal investigators, it's got voodoo dolls, porn stars, uh, Halloween (laughs) 
in Thailand, uh, and this insane escape story that he tells us about um, that you just can't, you know, you could never even imagine writing. The whole thing is just so, so amazing to me. You know, all I can think of while we're talking is you look at the world the way it is right now. You look at the big con, Eric Con, and all the things that went on there. It, it, it amazes me that the arrogance of human beings, and it's not just Americans. It's around the world, and it has been the entire time, the existence of the planet. Talking yourself in the fact that you deserve to steal money from other people. Amazing. I don't know how you get to that area where all of a sudden no matter what i do it's okay because i'm doing it how did have we always been like that since the, did the cave people steal each other's, steal each other's raw bones or, you know i guess probably. so <laughs> i mean i, I just I, I don't understand how you can talk yourself into cheating people who are on social security out of money it's disgusting well it's it's when you look at it and yeah, it is, unfortunately, something that existed forever. I mean, you yeah. have uh, stories of, of people in medieval times pretending to be lords and ladies just to be able to get into a certain court. You have, you know, things happening in the 1800s with you know, the the whole idea that, or the, the concept of a snake oil salesman right. is around because those were hustlers. Those were fraudsters that were hustling people. And as long as there's money involved, especially a huge amount of money where you have uh, what you have with Social Security, there's always going to be people that are going to try and take advantage and take it. The Wall Street Journal reporter who really broke this whole story, he actually did two other stories on Social Security of two other massive frauds. And we're doing a companion podcast along with the series on Apple TV Plus that comes out tomorrow, May 6th, just like the series does. And we actually go deeper into that whole situation of these two other massive frauds that were going on that were broken by the Wall Street Journal and, you know, how all of this happens. And it just really comes down to if there's a lot of money involved, you need more checks and balances, and there just weren't enough for that. Yeah, and that's exactly what I'm doing. The checks and balances are a very difficult thing for us these days, apparently. I don't really understand why it's so hard to just check on people's work or what. Look, I mean, I've been, we've all been through it. I remember several years ago, I went to dinner with a guy uh, that I had known about 10 years. It was just the two of us. I paid the bill, and I left the tip in cash. <clears throat> and it wasn't, you know, a sizable tip, but I left it on the table in cash. We walked out, and he said, oh, man, I, I, I got I to gotta go hit the head, man. I'll be right back. So he goes in, and I look in through the front window. He doesn't go to the bathroom. He goes back to our table and steals the tip. I was, he in, was he in radio? Maybe. What? <laughs> was he in radio? <laughs> is, is he on this call right now? <laughs> no, he's not on the call right now. But it just amazed me that he thought that I wouldn't be able to know that he took my tip. Mm. I just... How do you talk yourself into the fact, because he had just seen the tip be placed maybe five minutes earlier. Yeah. In five minutes, he thought that money should be mine, not hers, because I left it for the server. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's definitely going to be, you know, people that uh, will do the uh, outlandish version of stealing tip money. Uh, and, you know, we'll be there to make a documentary series about them when they do. Um, in this Love case, it. it was it was really about ignoring the problem. And I think that that's one of the sure. things that we talked about a lot is that 
you know, these two whistleblowers who were working at the government agency, they spotted this fraud immediately. And they said, hey, there's a problem here. This judge and this lawyer are doing something that shouldn't be, <laughs> that, that, that is not really supposed to be happening. And uh, all their supervisors ignored it. People saw this happening, and they, and they realized, like, hey, well, this is it's good for us. It's good for everybody else. And, like, we're not going to, like, he's very powerful. We're not going to, we're not going to meddle. And when you ignore a problem, it doesn't just go away. It just becomes a bigger problem. And not only did it become a bigger problem, but they actually tried to stop these two whistleblowers from getting the word out and letting other people know, hey, something wrong is happening here. And it gets to the point where this story, you know, has like, I mean, you see it with Eric C. Khan and, and the, the outlandish lifestyle and the you know, Rolls Royces and, you know, the, the flashy lifestyle that he had and the billboards and TV commercials. But the tragedy of this is a cautionary tale to what happens when you ignore a problem. And, and why would they? They just didn't want to be bothered with it. They thought it was too tough a case. They didn't want to piss off their friends. Why did they ignore it? Or is that something else I'm learning by watching well, the big con? You'll you'll learn about it, but what we can say about that is there's so many things that are linked to what was going on in social oh. security. It's a numbers game. So when they're when they're doing all of this work and trying to get these people help, there's such a backlog that there's an emphasis on doing things as fast as possible and getting as many people through oh, the sure. system as fast as possible. Sure. And that's where you run into a problem because when you have that, then all your bonuses, all your promotions, all the accolades for the individual Social Security offices in their different regions is all based around how many people can we move through this system. And that's when you have people who are you know, willing to turn a blind eye or, or, or you know, be willfully ignorant on something that is pretty shady going on because it's helping the office in general. It's helping them get accolades, helping them get attention on a national level. And that's where you have those types of problems come to light. What a story this is. What do you think, Mike? Uh, I think that the uh, that the nation's dermatologists are going to be very envious. <laughs> Why would that be? Oh, uh, you know, they're they're making tens of millions of dollars. That's and, uh, true. And uh, yeah, it's, I I think I, what what can I add to that? No, you're right. You know, just it's a lifestyle profession, just like stealing. <laughs> I suppose. I, I suppose that is true. You know, the honestly. hours are good. The pay is yeah. good. You know, they don't get up at four in the morning like morning radio guys. No, no. There's you know you're not going to find yourself with brain damage when you're 65 doing this. You might be in prison, but yeah. But I mean, if, I don't know about skin doctors. You know, I, that, that's a whole different breed of people having to to look at uh, odd yeah. odd things uh, all day long. I mean, with Social Security, you're just dealing with uh, with numbers and you know people who are. Um, um, who are struggling to uh, to make ends meet, and in, in this case, I think when when we when you get into this documentary series, you're going to see a really fascinating character, and you're going to also see this really complex system, but done in a and I think in a really fun. I mean, James and I have put so much time and energy into like making these uh, types of fraud in, engaging, uh, and hopefully um, uh, a, a great you know, a great conversation piece to say, like, man, what are we doing here? 
Yeah, and that's exactly it. Boy, I just thought, you guys, I mean, this is a bit off to, off to Well, it's not really off topic because it's about the two of you. You guys have been very, very busy and very successful. It's, what a terrific list of, of things you have. You know, we've been really fortunate. Uh, with McMillions, we, we got to do that full deep dive with HBO. We've been really, really excited to work with Apple TV Plus mm-hmm. on the big con. Uh, we're actually doing another project with them that will be coming out later this year. We're just, we really are, uh, uh, there's just a certain level of these stories that really speak to us in the sense that, you know, we love the gray area of life. Like, uh, you think of things as cops and robbers, but it really isn't like that. Because good people sometimes make bad decisions and get themselves in way over their heads. And we just, uh, we like to see what decisions go into getting you into that place. Uh, there's one title I have to get to that that, that just fascinates me. Uh, the audio series will be part of Apple TV Plus original podcast, now streaming on Apple Podcasts. By the way, whoever it was at Apple that set that up, that's a brilliant move. I think they all, I don't know if they all do it now, but uh, podcasting, digital is a huge part of the success of a lot of TV uh TV shows, all the rest of it. I mean, they, they help one another, there's no question. So that was, that was a brilliant move there. But I uh, no, I do love the title "Run Bambi Run." I like that one a lot. Uh, Wild Things, Siegfried and Royd, Hooked. But there's the title, "The Problem with John Stewart." That's an interesting title. What's that all about? <laughs> I love that title. Yeah, there's some good titles. I think the Big Con is up there uh, with them. And is, yeah, uh, we. I mean, we're we're stoked. I mean, everything that Apple TV Plus has been putting out has just been phenomenal we were excited to be a, a part of the family and to see um to see this get out there uh, uh you know in the world uh tomorrow day six now does it feel good to you guys i mean you, you're helping people obviously by putting putting this out there you're informing people that's what you wanted to do uncovering crime and all the rest of it but does it's got to feel pretty good though helping all these people particularly people in their 80s and 90s who kind of need that social security check right yeah, and for us, this is really our version of an issue doc. You know, we, we can lure you in with the crazy, you know, gallivanting, bigger, larger-than-life character of Eric C. Khan, but underneath it all, there are people that are still fighting for their benefits. I and mean, once Eric got caught, everyone got cut off that ever saw him, whether they were actually injured or needed the benefits or not. Oh, and there are God. still a, a lot of people that are fighting to get those benefits back, fighting tooth and nail against Social Security Administration, we hope that this shines a light on this whole situation and some systematic changes can be can come forward and then that these people can get their benefits back because they need them to survive. And that's the part I was talking yeah, about. And it's, it's not just, yeah, and it's, it's not just, uh, you know, retired people. I mean, we're talking about the disability portion of it where, mm-hmm. you know, people, young people who cannot work anymore um, who are reliant on this, like, lifeline. But we all pay into this, right? All of us as, as taxpaying, uh, you know, Americans uh, pay into the system. It's a safety net. And when people abuse it, they're stealing from all of us. And so it really is something that affects all of us. Anytime anyone does something like this, like, we need to make sure that there's accountability and uh, things put in place. So, you know, you can watch the series, have a lot of fun with it, and, you know, laugh and enjoy the zaniness of it. But yeah, there's an undertone to it that um, that definitely will speak to everybody. See, that's a that's a really good thing. I, I just uh, the thing that I've never understood about people like this, and I got to point out, 
Yeah, I pointed out quite a bit on the show just about the way I think, but I grew up in a very, very poor neighborhood, and I can't. I don't even know how many people in that neighborhood were on, on benefits, whether it be Social Security or welfare or whatever. Uh, I watched them. I watched them stand in line, and if they didn't get that check, they were in major trouble. There wasn't going to be any food on the table that night. Uh, and the other side, so knowing that is a little difficult. And then the other side of it is, uh, you know, let's say, uh, Brian or James, do either one of you have children? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I've got two. So you do realize when they go after you, they're going after your wife, after your children, after your husband, whatever you – whatever. I, I don't understand how people don't fathom the fact that if I go after you, I'm going after everybody in your family, and I don't know how you sleep at night doing that. It's it, Yeah, I mean, I, I think that just in general, I mean, the, part of the tragedy of the story, I mean, there were, um, there were you know, there were lives lost uh, associated with yep. the story. Um, not to get all dark on you here, but... Um, it, it is. It's part of the humanitarian crisis that was happening in Eastern Kentucky at this time. I mean, this whole community was def, def, you know, decimated as a result of what happened here. And um, and a lot of people, you know, point the finger to, to Eric Khan and will say like, oh, he was this you know narcissistic, you know, greedy attorney. And he's a lot more complex than that. I think that people are going to be surprised by how they feel about him. But also realize like how many other players were a part of this. Um, it's 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 certainly surprising. It is indeed. Brian Lazarte, James Lee Hernandez. The next series, The Big Con, a new Apple TV Plus original true crime docuseries, reveals the outrageous true story of the biggest federal fraud in U.S. history. The Big Con premieres with all four episodes on May sixth tomorrow globally on Apple TV Plus, along with the companion podcast. It goes even deeper into this almost. That is, that is again, let me say it. I already said it, but I'll say it again. That's brilliant. You come out with the uh, with the all four episodes, and you also have a podcast about it. That's, man, that's how to get, that's how to get things heard and seen. I'll tell you that. Really, really good move. Uh, you can watch Trail on YouTube.com, correct? That's correct, yeah. Uh, all right, yeah, gentlemen. Can... All right, we'll get, get back to work and make... Make more stuff. All this uh, crazy stuff. They've Apple TV Plus and our team here at Fun Meter have all been fantastic. I'm glad to hear that. Brian James, thanks for your time today. Oh, thank you. Have a good day. Bye. Thanks a lot. That's an, it, That does fascinate me, though, how people can just sit there and steal hundreds of millions of dollars and they just don't care. You know what? <clears throat> it's kind of an interesting tie-in. Uh, that the fraud came from that part of the country, which is coal country, right? Right. Did you ever watch Dope Sick? I'm watching the, it right now. Yeah. Well, it, that, that's the reason that the Sacklers targeted that community yeah. because of the yep. high numbers of young uh, worker comp cases and stuff. God. Yeah. And and you know, it's a there's this this whole layer of hopelessness there. Yeah. yeah. Right. Which right. feeds into this. It does. The, no you doubt know, about and it. I wonder, one thing I wonder about is the unintended consequences that come from something like this. Because, you know, Social Security Administration, they're going to be forced to react. But you know how they'll react. They'll start, like, confiscating people's wheelchairs. Right. <laughs> That's very true. Well, they're still chirping about the fact that someday Social Security is going to go dry. And this certainly doesn't help too much now, does it? No. Um, I could fix it in five minutes. Good, I'm glad to hear it. What do you do? Take it out of the general fund? Mm-hmm. 
No, uh, I would eliminate the cap on income for paying in. Yeah. Yeah. Because it stops at, I think it's like $130,000. Right. And you could probably drop the actual percentage because, you know, when there's an employee employer relationship, the employee pays seven and a half, the employer pays seven and a half. Mm -hmm. If they increased it so everybody that's working participates in it, you'd probably drop it to four or five. So you're saying all yeah. you'd have to do is basically get more money from the people who control the political system. Right. <laughs> that's all he's saying, yeah, Mike? That, that shouldn't be a problem. <laughs> yeah, it's not going to be a problem at all. Uh, we're going to take a break here. But I, I do want to come back and talk a little bit about the, the situation in America right now because, well, it's not just America either, it's the entire world. Uh, has huge problems right now. People, well, I'll tell you what, we'll take a break and we'll come right back and, and talk about it at that point. Mike Gelfand in studio, Doug Sprinthal, Andy, some other hun yuck. We'll be right back. Dan Chesky's here from Dan's Southside Marine. It won't be long now until we start seeing boats on the water. Warmer temps and open water are coming soon, Tom. We have inventory in stock now from Alumacraft, Premier, Avalon, and Manitou with more arriving daily. What's the secret to finding a boat you're looking for this year, Dan? My recommendation is to shop now, pick a model, put your name on it. Our team of pros at Dance Outside Marine will have the knowledge and experience to get the boat you want equipped the way you want it equipped. What about financing options? Right now, we are offering low-interest financing options up to 144 months with qualified credit. Ask for details when you visit the store. Alumacraft Fishing Boats, Premier, Avalon, and Manitou Pontoons, all powered by Suzuki Outboards, are in stock now with new boats arriving daily. Dan Southside Marine is located just six blocks west of 35W on 98th Street in Bloomington or shop online at dansouthsidemarine.com. Tom here, and I'm talking with Brad Huckle and Mike Bilski of North American Banking Company. We've talked before about how working with a community bank like North American Banking Company can benefit business owners. Do you have an example you could share with our listeners? Our customers at Homeco Insulation in Blaine have been banking with a big bank for many years, but suddenly their calls weren't getting returned and their banker was unresponsive to their business needs. You can imagine their frustration. They had a successful business, wanted to expand, and their bank cut them off. They were ready to move on from their big bank. When they referred to us, we knew they wanted to work with a community bank that would be responsive and would take the time to understand their business and its needs. That sounds like a perfect fit. I know it can always reach out and not only talk to an actual person, but I'm talking to an experienced lender. They've told us the same thing, Tommy. Look, I know Brad and Mike and I trust them with my banking. My whole family does. So why not bank with my banker, North American Banking Company, a better banking experience member fdic and equal housing lender you all have helped build my pillow into the incredible company it is today and have trusted in mike lindell to give you a great night's sleep mike's latest incredible deal is on the giza dream sheets which you've heard me rave about before that's for sure these sheets are made from the world's best cotton giza they are ultra soft and breathable yet extremely durable right now the giza dream sheets at its lowest price ever. These sheets are 60% off, coming in as low as $39.99 with promo code TOM. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. Um, thank you again to our uh, very special guest, The Big Con, the name of it. It's on Apple Plus TV, so that's good. Now, I have to ask you guys a question, because I... I do not watch the nightly news anymore. Uh, I used to, you know, because it's part of my job to know what the hell's going on, right? But you can't watch it. And I, I, I should say I can't watch it, whether it's Fox or CNN or any of them, because I just don't hear any of them telling the truth about anything. Um, and then this morning I get in, I had, I had 
completely blanked out the, uh, or blocked out, excuse me, the news last night. First story I read this morning is people are very, very upset because it's Cinco de Mayo. And if you wear uh, any Mexican garb whatsoever, it's cultural appropriation. So in other words, if I today go down and have a couple of drinks and wear a sombrero to celebrate your holiday, I'm appropriating your culture. How is that possible? I never understood the whole 5th of May thing anyway, because they don't really celebrate it in Mexico, do they? No, they do not. (laughs) Not at all. But how, if I wear a sombrero to to celebrate your holiday, how is that cultural appropriation? I don't get that. Do you guys understand that? Can't you just ignore the stupid people? No, because it's 99% of them. Mm, I don't know about that. I think you entrench yourself in the stupid people, and then you think that there's a lot more of them than they are. You really think that's true? Yes. What was in the newspaper this morning? Well, that case closed. Well, that's what I'm saying. They are all lying to make money. Pretty much, yeah. That's exactly what I'm talking about. Now, wait a minute. The newspapers are not making money. Well, that's true. (laughs) That's a very good point. Hey, wait a minute. What? Making money? What are you talking about? They're just barely getting by. No, I don't know. I just, like I said, I grew up with people of all all types, I guess is the best way to put it. I just... And it's not just that. It's it's this whole, every time that I want to do something, does that mean, so basically I should be wearing a kilt? Because a Bernard name, Bernard is a Scottish name, so <laughs> please, I should be please, wearing kilts. Please don't do yeah, but No, you, no, no. I'm appropriating my own culture. Easy for you to say. You got the legs for it. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. There's a reason the kilt has gone out of fashion uh, a couple hundred years ago. Well, Mom still got that picture of me wearing one over in Scotland because mm-hmm. they didn't have any pants that I could wear. <laughs> that was just a prank they play on Americans. Yeah, probably. Sure. It's probably true. No, I just, I, do you, are we ever going to get back to being somewhat happy, or are we just going to no. be more miserable? Stop time reading on? the news, yes. There's too much money. It's my to... job, Andy. I don't know if you know that or not. Well, then you'll never be happy. Okay, well, you there know, you there's, go. There, there appears to be a pretty good industry going on and dividing the country. Yeah. yeah. Oh, God, yes. That's what we're saying. If no one paid attention to these people, then there would be no problem. The problem is that they hear... This right. division and this agitation, and then they get mad, and then the country gets worse. And they, but and everyone people, just ignored yeah. them. But people want to get mad. That's yes, the real they problem. Do. They love being angry, and they mm-hmm. love having it stoked night after night. Yep. But sure the problem do. is, and you guys, and you know, I, I wasn't going to bring it up, but I have had people go after me for this woke mm-hmm. bullshit. Uh, you don't want to go through that, man. It ain't pretty, and it ain't comfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sorry, but unless you've been through it, you don't know what that feels like. Well, the yeah. trick is learning how to threaten people without actually threatening. <laughs> Damn it! Gee, your house sure is nice over there on 235 Cedar Street. <laughs> yeah. it's kind That's of pretty mafia subtle. Deal. Yeah. Exactly. It's kind of the mafia subtle deal. I'd hate to see something happen exactly. to it. Right. <laughs> to your lovely home. No, I don't know. I, it just It's not even the news. It just makes me sad that people, first of all, want to be a victim uh, and then... How they treat each other like dirt. Why don't you, you got a hundred years, man. Would you just be decent, have a good time, and calm the F down? What's wrong with that idea? Boring. It's too boring. Money. It's too, and it doesn't make them money. I suppose that's probably true. Yeah, you're, you know, you got to think next level, Tom. I do. I really should. How do I get there, Mike? I, uh, I don't know. You, you have to fail into it, so I, I don't know. <laughs> you have to, well, you probably do. No, I, I don't want any, look, I got to be honest with you. I hear these arguments all the time, this side and that side. And I don't know. Uh, whenever I do watch the news, I, I try to watch. Well, not I try. I do watch both sides of the issue. I don't see any good guys. I really don't. Uh, I watch the news, and whether it's Fox or CNN or NPR, what there are no good guys. 
you could, as you just said, it's all about the money. Or power sometimes. Power sometimes. Well, money is power. Yeah. If you take a look. I mean, look, yeah, it, it ultimately yeah. is all about power. It is, yeah. Yeah, it's a, money is a way to get there, I mm-hmm. guess. I, I don't know. I think, you know, I, I, I read, a, I read a, a great profile of Mitch McConnell. And the author of the, of the piece said, said that she looked, desperately looked for someone, some friend of Mitch, who would tell her, you know, about the, the gentle side, the nice side. And actually one of his friends said to the, to the woman who wrote the story, you're looking the wrong place. It's, it's just about power. That's, it is. that's all there is yeah, to him. All, that's all there is to all of them. Well, is there one well, that isn't? And he's, but I mentioned him because he's the most powerful yeah. guy, probably yeah. in the world. Might be. Yeah, I mean, he's the guy who. Yeah, he just he he knows which which buttons to push, and he knows how to, and and he doesn't care. I mean, he could just as easily be a liberal. It wouldn't matter as long as oh, he no, had the it power. Matter to him. Oh, he's he's actually leaned that way heavily just to prove how powerful he is. Yeah. You know, you got the Adam Schiffs of the world, and he's you know all he does. Yeah, I don't even need to use names. They all are filthy lying pigs, as far as I can tell. All of them. Are you got any good ones out there? I'm not going to defend politicians. I, just don't, I don't have the energy. <laughs> yeah, really. That'd take a lot of work. I'd say uh, Katie Porter. Katie Who Porter. That? Which one that, is that? That's about? a name to know. She is a, uh, a member of the House of Representatives from California, mm-hmm. and she is the one who just humiliates billionaires. I like her. Like, you know, insurance companies, people who, you know, and, and she'll... When these people testify before Congress, she'll say, um, "So, how much does your average worker make a year?" And there's a guy, you know, and how much do you make a year? Well, I, I don't really know. And so she'll tell them how much, <laughs> and he'll See, and, I love so, that. So, and she'll say, "So, so when they can't answer, so all right, so this is how much your average worker makes: uh, twenty-four thousand eight hundred dollars a year." Do you, how, how would you go about making a living that way? How would you go about feeding your family, right. educating your child? How would you do that? Well, I'd have to get back to you on that. You know, it's just, I'd have to get back to you. It's just brilliant. So Katie Porter. Yeah, and she's not. She's never going to be president. Probably never be a, a senator. Okay, so I do like her. But but yeah, look her up. She's. I mean, she's fantastic. And also, you know, she's not. And I think it, I think it's still a case in America where. Women have to look good to uh, to, you, to move up the ladder. You might be right about and that. And Katie Porter is not a great-looking woman. Not. I mean, she's not horribly ugly, but I don't think she has the pizzazz. That's a cute woman name, Katie Porter. She's better-looking than Mitch McConnell? Well, yeah, I, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> I, mean, I don't know if she is or not. She could be I struck by lightning and look better by Mitch McConnell. <laughs> Isn't that the truth? Uh, Whatever yeah. happened to Mitch McConnell's mouth? I don't know, he never opens it. He never opens his mouth. I was talking to him yesterday and the guy told me. I wonder what he's hiding. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know what the hell it's all about. Now, you have to remember, many people don't know this, but I voted for a Democratic woman for president. People don't even know I did that, even though I've talked about it a number of times. Mm -hmm. That's the other part of it, is I like the fact that people only remember the things they want to remember. Yeah, That's well, hilarious. I, you know, I there was a time when I voted for a, a number of Republicans running for local offices. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But now, even to the local office, they you know they have to recite the big lie and all that crap. Which which big lie? Because there's so many of them right now. Well, I'm I'm just talking about the one you know about the election that that, that, oh, the that one Trump that really said that Trump wanted. Didn't win. 
Uh, you mean that one? Yeah, but Hillary... It's the same argument. But it's Mike. not the same... It is. Uh, you didn't have an entire party saying, well, actually, we won, when obviously you mm-hmm. didn't. You lost by 7 million votes. Well, that's No, there's never say. been anything like this. Come on, Tom. I Look... I mean, I, I understand your that, point. That my point is they're all filthy. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't even argue with that. No. That's I, the I, only point I have. I don't have any other... Yeah, I, I mean, I just think it's it, it keeps being... It, it just... It goes to a next level, like every you know three weeks. That's all I'm saying. Does it really? I I don't pay any attention to that stuff at all. Like I said, I I voted for uh, for a uh, a woman of color from mm-hmm. Hawaii, a Democrat, a Democrat woman of color. That's who I voted for, <laughs> and apparently I was a fool for doing that. I just thought she I thought she would have been a terrific president. Mm-hmm. Well, I, is she on the outs now though? Oh, with everybody. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, everybody hates. Well, because she actually tells the truth. You don't need a truth teller in there. I mean, this is what she's, what, she was like a master sergeant in the United States Army on top of it, I believe. I thought she was in the Air Force. Was it the Air Force? Well, no, no, you probably are right. The Air Force. Well, here, let's look up Tulsi. Tulsi Gabbard is her name, ladies yeah, and gentlemen. Yeah, she's very bitter now. She's, she's, because she didn't get nominated, now she's becoming a Republican, right? I don't think so. I did. Well, I don't know. I, is it? Did you hear that on, TV, on the news or something? No, I, I've just I've I've seen her, you know, doing bits on Fox and and probably other. Oh, she does she, yeah, bits yeah. on Fox, and yeah. she's you know she doesn't. Let's just say she doesn't talk like any Democrat I've ever heard of. Well, she used. To. She just all she does is lash out at the party. Well, you know, if if everybody who ran for president lashed out at their own party, because you know there's going to be a hundred of them running for president. Right. But don't you think she was treated pretty poorly by both parties? I, I really was not that aware of her, I have to say. Uh, I was. I spent a lot of time reading it. But, but I know what you're yeah, saying, that like she wasn't up. allowed to be part of the... Right. Yeah. And But she wasn't the only one who probably got a raw deal. No. Oh, God, there's no no question about it. Like, U- like U.S. It. Army Reserve. Yeah, she was in the Army. Yep. Yeah, that's right. what I thought, yeah. But, um, look, I, I just... It's tough. You've got children. You know, you and Doug yeah. both have children. Andy's got a child. Now I have two children. That's the part that, that really annoys me, the right. fact that these people can piss our money away. We have got some major... You know the stock market, market this morning? I don't know where it is now, oh, but it was bad. a thousand points yeah, last I checked. Uh, yeah. Well, that was, you know, inevitably it was going to happen. Yes. That was a real bubble. That it's, was that was just a, a creation out of thin air. It was. And it's going to get worse. Uh, this is just absolutely disgusting. Yeah, what's going probably, on? Probably, yeah. I honestly got we. Uh, Brian Zepp was telling the story. He went and got a sandwich, a uh, lobster roll sandwich, and a beer at uh, a restaurant out in Utah. Mm-hmm. Uh, lobster roll sandwich and a beer, sixty-seven dollars. Oh my God! Lobster is thirty dollars a pound. It's like in, the, in the grocery store. In the grocery store. Yeah, it's store. not going to be cheap. And then you got to chase it and throw it in the pot and shell it. I, I mean, I could see forty bucks, but sixty-seven. Jesus. I can top that. I paid thirty-two dollars for a tuna fish sandwich. Now that shouldn't have happened, especially because there probably was no tuna fish in the sandwich. <laughs> was, right. Yeah, what was that? Was that a Subway deal? <laughs> it could have been. <laughs> what is? What was that supposed to be again in the Subway stores? It was supposed to be was, tuna, and it wasn't. Yeah, it was supposed to be tuna, and, and I can't remember what exactly it was, but oh, as it either. turns out, it, that probably was not unique to Subway. No, Oh, you're not. right about that. 
You know, it, it, it is kind of heartbreaking in the fact that I grew up in, uh, you know, the Catholic, being a Catholic, my mother raised us. My mother was an ardent Democrat. She, she loved, well, like I said, she had three pictures on the wall, the Pope, uh, President Kennedy, and Dean Martin. <laughs> three guys she had up on the wall. She had to put a Catholic up there. I mean, it had to happen. Remember, remember what a what a big deal it was that people thought it would never happen. A Catholic. Oh, be president. Be president. Now they run the Supreme Court. Look well, how times change. Joe yeah. Biden's a Catholic. Yep. So there you go. I mean, you got two two Catholic presidents now. There you have it. <laughs> Which I did. You ever think of a Catholic president? Both of them were Democrats. But my mother was an ardent Democrat. Actually, in the inner city, the, the Catholics in the inner city are all Democrats. Well, I kind of look at it that way. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it goes back to the unions and, and right. other phenomena. Right. But, yeah. No, it's absolutely. Uh, you know, I'm just trying to look for a little comfort in the world. I'm at that point in my life now. So could we every just buddy just leave each other alone? What are you doing? I mean, honest to God. And it all starts, and as far as I'm concerned, on the fact that all people do now is lie. That's all they do. Why? Why don't you just tell the truth? You can act like a man. <laughs> all right, I'll let it go. Well, they, tell, they, they tell the truth. They say they tell the truth, so you don't believe them, huh? They're telling the truth about telling the truth? <laughs> yeah. Is that what you're asking? That's kind of what I'm saying, yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, look, you know, I've had a great life. I have a wonderful family, great friends. I don't, I don't like my coworkers on the podcast, but, you no. know. Can't have it all. Yeah, I mean, life can't be perfect, otherwise it'd be boring. No, that's true. But, I mean, I, I just consider myself to be very, very fortunate. I had a great career and all the rest of it. I just try to be happier out there because you're dragging yeah. me down, no, man. You know, I mean, I feel the same way, but, you, you know, you talk about having kids and what are we leaving them with? That's that's. The I thing. know. No, you're right about that. Andy, what are we leaving you with? Uh, I guess that's for your... Uh, Lawyer to decide when the I time comes. I don't think comes. he meant that way. Oh, oh I see. <laughs> he wants to know the dollar figure. That's what to a the great, penny. Tom. Yeah, to the penny. I want to know what the hell's going on. How here. much capital gains am I going to be paying on this? Thing? I don't know. It just it's it's just how I grew up, and I just yeah. I really don't have a political party now. I'm just kind of stuck in the middle as a centrist, going, well, can we? Why don't we all just try to get along? Rodney King, Rodney. baby. That's all I have to say. It would be nice, though, don't you think? Yeah, I agree. It's never going to happen, though, is it? You know, there's always the danger that we're going to look back on this as being the good old it's, days at yeah. some point. Oh, God. Well, I know I know what you're saying, but, mm -hmm. boy, it could get real hideous. World War Three, yeah. Civil War Number 2. Oh. There's all sorts of stuff that could happen. So, uh, you know. It'll still be the 50s for me, though. The 50s? Yeah, that, those are the good old days. Well, you, did, did I mean, you know, we weren't really at war after... After know, Korea. After Korea. Yeah. And, you know, you had Ike as president. He ran as a Republican because he figured he'd probably have a better chance of getting elected that yeah, way. Yeah, I think that's But true. he didn't have any real allegiance to any kind no, of... No, he did not. ...kind of anything, really. No, he, he, he didn't. That's he just true. wanted to play golf and, uh, and avoid war and build highways. Mm-hmm. Three, pretty good three admirable things. Yeah, exactly. And he actually oh, no, accomplished yeah. all of them. Yeah, he did, yeah. Well, people don't know that's why we have an interstate. The interstate system, yeah. yeah. It's because mm -hmm. Eisenhower moving troops. Mm -hmm. Yeah. On the other hand, it ruined all those family motels. Oh, it certainly did, didn't it? Those things got pushed aside in a in a heartbeat. There's still a few left, but people are basically paying rent by the hour. And do they know the woman they're with? 
Um, <laughs> bring your daughter to work day. Yeah. Well, that's a sexist question. The, it really is. They're not always with women. That's a mm. good point. See, Tom, you homophobe. Unless they're women. Unless they're women. Well, it all depends. No, yeah. I say, you know, you know that I have a fascination with those motels, the ones that are still around. I remember the clover leaf out on Lindell Avenue. The clover leaf out on uh, Lindell? That uh, was very popular among some of the twins. That's What's the right. one on, is either Minnehaha or Hiawatha had the little airplane on it? Is it the oh, yeah, that, one that, was, that was the... Um, um, it was the airport inn, wasn't it? Didn't maybe that what it they was the it? airport inn. Well, I thought you were talking about the Falls Motel. That no, was that was the one that down, had... A that little had farther just, north yeah. from there. Because the Falls was notorious. Oh, yeah. Yeah. For what? Well, being close to the uh, Minnehaha Falls for really nothing that would be very shocking today, but <laughs> no, the, the worst motel in the Twin Cities is probably the Aqua City Motel. Oh, the Aqua City! I remember the Aqua City. Yeah, it's like you know, it's it's like um, how would I put it? Uh, uh, come for the mold and and stay for the theft. You know, nice. I think that's their slogan. What was the one out there on Fifty Five, just short of uh, Douglas Drive? Was it, oh, I, yeah. Was it just the Golden Valley Motel? It might have been, yeah. I think it was. I, honest to God, did anybody ever stay there that wasn't a hooker? Mm. <laughs> so, it wasn't, was, well, wasn't the White House out there? Well, the gonna, White that's, House! That's what I just started to say, the White House. Yeah. yeah. And the White House was kind of a classy place. At one time, yeah. Yeah, at one time, yeah. At one time it was, but I still have enough faith in humanity. Should I give up my faith in humanity? Because I still have enough faith in humanity no. that we're going to get through this. Well, you have to. You have to have some hope. Yeah. You would. You would think yes. You, you take That's away coming hope, from Gelfand of all people. <laughs> <laughs> you got to like yeah. some people. Well, I, I mean, didn't want to say it, but thank you. I mean, you know, my my family history tells me that if you don't have hope. You don't got nothing. No, you're right. You're absolutely. And that's, don't you wonder sometimes, and I suppose this is part of my problem, the fact that I look back and go, I, I thought I would get past all this sometimes. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I thought I would, you know, my dad went down off the rails and, you know, we poor as hell and we we're doing this and everybody that. But you look back, man, and it's like, is this ever going to end? Seriously. Well, you think, you think uh, that, I think we thought when we were young that, we were going to resolve all our problems. Yeah, well, I did. That we yeah. were Every young happy. person is like, yeah, I'm going to yep. I'm going to fix the world when I grow up. And and now the reality is that when when people go to see shrinks, therapists, whatever, they're what they're really looking for is just the the power to accept what has happened. Yeah. That's all. It's not, you That's know, all you can hope for. Right, exactly. Oh, no, you're absolutely right. Well, that's one of the problems of our increasingly global world is that everyone is constantly worried about what's going on everywhere. Yeah. Whereas 60 years ago, that really wasn't the case unless it was something enormous. Like nuclear war, annihilation. Pretty much. Yep, exactly. That's all we had to worry about. Under the desk. Well, I mean, God, yeah. baby. Before World War II, you asked the average American what's going on outside of our own borders. Probably they wouldn't. Have no idea. They were like, I don't care. I live here. And that's what everyone was like back before the era of, you know, constant world wars and flying overseas to fight battles on behalf of other people. You know, a hundred years ago, the world was a lot smaller of a place, so that means a lot fewer problems. You know, what's amazing about that, Andy, is that, you know, where I grew up was murder central for the state of Minnesota. Mm. The most murders by I believe far. it still is. I believe it still is, yes. But imagine walking down the street. You're in front of Rough Brothers Supermarket on 18th and Emerson. And Rough Brothers. You know that R-U-F-F. That's oh. how it was called Rough Brothers, yeah. 
you're walking along and you know that this guy got killed, that guy got mm-hmm. killed, blah, blah, blah. And then all of a sudden you started hearing sonic booms, but nobody told you you were going to hear them. Oh, yeah. Remember those, Mike? Oh, yeah. Jesus. I think a lot of people uh, freaked out, and other people had hideous, uh, you know, like like uh, migraines and other things. Oh, yeah. Because it just destroys, you know, your... I mean, there's a lot of things that mess with your brain. Oh, I would Super, so, Yeah, sonic booms are pretty bad. Holy. And they it was like every day for a while. Remember that? Oh, yeah, yeah. Every day there'd be sonic... You want to say, boom! Mostly because a bunch Woo. of billionaires wanted to go to France yeah. in an hour and a half. Oh, yeah. the Concorde? Yeah, the yeah, Concorde. That never did very well. No, it, it really uh, turned out to be a bust, yeah. And what, it crashed? Well, yeah, it turns out going uh, past the speed of sound uh, takes a lot of fuel. Yes. If you can believe yes. it. <laughs> Who would have thought? Did you deal with sonic booms and where you grew oh, up? Oh, yeah. Well, there was a, a military base oh, in Concord, okay. Massachusetts, and go. I was, lived in Lexington. And when I, in my grade school, I could look out the window and watch planes take off and land. They were, you know, so they're fighter planes, and they're yeah. doing it all the time. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I thought it was right. cool. Well, if somebody I mean, had told eight. us in the inner city this right. is what this is, that would have been nice. Please plug your yeah, ears. I, I, I seem to remember I, I was aware of what caused it and what they well, were. Wait a minute. So. Weren't there stories in The Spokesman? <laughs> yes, I'm sure The Spokesman <laughs> had many stories. That in the St. Louis Evening Whirl, those two <laughs> newspapers. But I, I, I'm telling you, and the reason I brought, brought up Rough Brothers, the supermarket, was when those booms went off, those windows rattled. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Whoa, those windows no, rattled. China falling out of the country. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. Think of all the matzo ball soup that exploded at Plitman's. Oh, I still see Michael once in a while, you know. Yeah. Michael Plitman. I always loved that guy. What a yeah. great guy he yeah. is. Plitman, now, now you made me pine for the old days. I know, I'm my, thinking corned <clears throat> beef right now. All right, I'll close with my Desnick Brothers story. I love this story. I'm about seven, eight years old. Desnick's used to be on the corner of Plymouth Avenue and Penn Avenue, mm-hmm. right? <clears throat> so I'm standing in front of Desnick Brothers, and this old man comes out, and he's wearing a Homburg hat, and he's got the top coat with the black velvet lapels. You remember those? Mm-hmm. Uh, he, you know, he started talking to me, and he's lighting his cigar, and, you know, I do realize a nice Jewish fella from West of Penn, because that's where all the Jews live pretty Well, not always, around... North Commons at first, but then the Jewish community moved right. to west of Penn Avenue. Well, my, right? my grandmother was on 8th and Newton. Yeah, there you go. Right there. That, that's what it was all about. Mm-hmm. But I do remember he's, he's lighting a cigar and he's looking down the street to the east. And there are all these kids running across Plymouth Avenue in and out of the traffic. And they're just not behaving and cars are slamming on yeah. their brakes. And this man, assuming because I was standing on a corner in front of Desnick's, that I was a little Jewish boy. Mm-hmm. Right. And he's lighting a cigar, and he's looking down there, and looking down, and he finishes lighting, and he looks down at me kid, and goes, Kid, don't ever act like a schmuck like that, and walked <laughs> away. I will never forget that. It was, what a, hey, it was a wonderful moment for takes me. takes a village. It, it does take a village. Yeah. You're absolutely right. Oh, we got to take a break because it also takes car selling. See? Sounds Coming like you next. might have some guests. I think we do. We well, they've been talking out there for like a half yes, an hour. Yeah. Well, they know each other well. All right. We'll, we'll be, be right back. back. <laughs> Tommy? Do you guys read a lot of poetry on the queue? You mean like, there once was a man from Nantucket? No, more like T.S. Eliot. 
April is the cruelest month, breeding lilacs out of the dead land, mixing memory and desire, stirring dull roots with spring rain. Dougie, what's wrong? You a little sad? No, other than the weather, nothing's wrong. In fact, in the walls of world, Coon Rapids and Burnsville finish number one and two in the state of Minnesota. J-Lo finally beat Dan Resch. Wow, that's pretty cool. Is it okay if I take all the credit? Well, I'd expect nothing less. Actually, we've got great inventory of some great vehicles, and these short-term leases are perfect for people who can't get the brands that they want. You told me about those. You can drive a new Nissan for as little as 18 months, and by then the chips will be aplenty. That's it exactly. We hope by then you'll be a Walzer Nissan convert. For great deals from the motor sales leaders, go to Burnsville or Coon Rapids Nissan. Michael Bryant, Brad, Sean. Bryant, what's the latest? Uh, we're just trying to represent people who have been injured through no fault of their own. We're trying to talk to them before they talk to an adjuster or before they take a settlement that isn't something they should get based upon their injuries. How many people are out there, in different, not in the law business, that love to run around scaring people before you even get to them? Well, adjusters will want to settle cases right. and they want to close files. So based upon that, they do what they have to. Um, I think there's a lot of circumstances where they probably act as attorneys where they're not attorneys and they try yeah. to explain people's rights or they give them a certain view that if they look at it. And what I always say is this, if the adjuster really truly thinks the offer they made makes sense, they'd have them come see us. You know? And that's exactly my question is you have to understand who has the best your best interest in mind correct well you want to know what your rights are you know whether yep. or not you decide yep. you're going to hire us or not that's a choice it's a free consultation and you want to understand what your all your rights are and what coverages you have and plus the fact i hang out with you so you got to be a good guy <laughs> if i'm hanging out with you uh, maybe <laughs> uh, okay ladies and gentlemen michael bryant bradshaw and bryant What do you think of that, Andy? Good timing. You heard me. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome our special guest, Mark Menaccio. How you doing, Mark? Hey, how's it going? Thanks for having me on. No, oh, it's a great pleasure. Believe me, no question about it. The History Channel's groundbreaking nonfiction series, The Secret of Skinwalker Ranch, returns for season three. Last night that did happen at 9 o'clock Central Time. That's where we are in that time zone. Uh, so I, what I want to do, Mark, is just shut up and hear all about this. This is a fascinating <laughs> subject. It is fascinating stuff. Yeah, it's it's amazing. You know, Skinwalker Ranch has been a place, uh, personally, that I've been trying to get to for 15 years, ever since you know George Knapp and Tom Keller put their book out in 2005. I've pursued it. You know, my career in the last 20 years in television has been all stories of the unexplained, paranormal, um, that sort of stuff. And Skinwalker's, you know, the penultimate spot you know it's it's the hot spot on the planet where you know no matter where i've been over the last 20 years you take all of those experiences combined across you know 100 different locations all those things happen on skinwalker ranch so it's like the 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 world's best living laboratory for study of phenomena and uh, unexplained activity I think it's, you know, I just saw something, Mark, I have to give you a huge compliment because having been in radio for 51 years and in the middle of that, I worked at Capitol Records for 10 years and I also did voiceover for about 30 of those years. And I'm going to read a line and then remark about what a powerful man you must be. In my 20 years of working in documentary and unscripted television, I have created and produced, directed and written and delivered more than 200 hours of primetime television. As an executive producer and showrunner, I have managed teams of more than 100 people. 
Mark, you managed 100 actors. You're my hero. Not not actors. Not actors. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Well, a lot. So, so you know, a lot. <laughs> I'll say this. So I, you know, of course I did a, a lot of produced and directed a lot of different types of shows in my career. Um, you know, paranormal wasn't always an option. Right. And I did uh, 50 episodes, a uh, show ran 50 episodes of a show called Sex Sent Me to the, to the ER on oh, TLC. Sure. I remember that. And, and yeah, and that show was a beast. We were, did the first run, we did 35 episodes in one run. So God. we had, simultaneously, I had a, a casting company that was looking for, you know, real people for real stories. Then I had uh, producers that were taking those people's stories and we were pitching them to the network. Then we had uh, teams interviewing those people and getting their stories. Then we had a whole team of writers writing the actual reenactments based off of those people's stories. And then we had in, in filming the recreations there were, you know, we did three stories an hour. So we had um, a massive team uh, recreation team, which was, you know, directors, a whole AD department, first, second, second, second directors. Um, and we had ADs, we had um, a full a full production management department. We had a, a, a full art department. And then, you know, as, as well as producers, right, and, and all those writers. And then I think we had like maybe six or six to eight writers at the time. And then we were in edit on three episodes at a time. So I had my entire post department that I had that I was overseeing. And then so there was a point in time, you know, it's like a, a hub, right? It's like a hill you get to the top where you're doing everything at the top and then things start to fall off. So there was a time where we were, you know, casting and pitching and interviewing real people, scripting reenactments, filming reenactments, editing episodes in online and delivering episodes, you know, uh, at the same time. So it was, you know, I think we at one point counted, we had like 2,200, um, you know, boxes to tick to, to deliver the show. So that team, you know, was was well over 100 people just because of all of those people that I, that I had to, that I, that I oversaw. Now, Mark, I know it's a, it's a very, very tough business. You work really, really hard, but what a great thing you're, you're experiencing. Uh, yeah, I know it's a lot of work, but my God, the, the charm and the joy of it all and the, the, the special feeling of it all must be terrific. Yeah, well, you know, I, I became a storyteller because of my interest in the unexplained. I grew up in this world. You know, my, my mother um, is a sensitive. She was, you know, back in the 70s, we just oh, called okay. it psychic. Sure. Yeah, we just called it psychic, right? Yep. I mean, I didn't know much of what that meant back then, and it didn't seem odd to me that she, you know, was very spiritual, still is, you know, um, and has her beliefs in, in otherworldly things. Um, and then my father was, you know, still is a, a hardcore science fiction nut. Um, and even though he's, you know, was a Manhattan businessman, you know, loved uh, Battlestar Galactica and Buck Rogers and Star Trek. And I grew mm. up on all this stuff mixed with my mom's real world belief in the, you know, the, the supernatural, so to speak. And so I always wanted to tell stories of sort of um, science fiction, unexplained, unknown. And I, um, when I came to Los Angeles in 2000, you know, within a couple of years, sort of the unscripted television business was kicking in and the first opportunity I got was to uh, in the unexplained world, the paranormal world was to work on season three of ghost hunters as a supervising producer. Right. The field. Yeah. So, um, 
you know, I got to begin my career in a world that I wanted to explore right from the get-go. And it's just evolved since then. That's terrific. The History Channel's groundbreaking nonfiction series, The Secret of Skinwalker Ranch, uh, did return last night, as a matter of fact, 9 o'clock Central Time. And it is, uh, boy, I tell you what, the History Channel is delivering programming, Mark. The History Channel is doing a great job. Yeah, they're, they're, it's, you know, it's, it's great that with all of the noise on TV, especially in the documentary or right. factual or unscripted world, that, you know, history is still churning out just quality content, mm-hmm. right? Um, you know, and the same the same company, this production company behind Skinwalker Ranch, they also make The Curse of Oak Island, Ancient Aliens, The Unexplained. Um, so, you know, they know how to do it, right? And, and it's, they know how to do it without compromise. You know, um, and there's far too many projects out there that are just, you know, a bunch of BS, right? Just fake stuff. Right, right. Um, you know, uh, over-exaggerated things. And, and History Channel, you know, is very, very serious about the authenticity. You know, we have a – it's it's almost an unfortunate rule from a producer standpoint. But uh, on Skinwalker Ranch, if something happens, if the investigative team, if they see something or they experience something and we or they don't get it on camera – we can't use it. And, you know, I will say this, this season more happened than in both seasons combined prior and probably a lot of the prior investigations that were done by whether it's OSAP, Bigelow, um, NIDS, you know, the government, whoever. Um, and so we had plenty of occurrences that we couldn't use because there was no evidence of it. And it's like, no, you can't you can't say something happened if we can't see it. Um, and we still have a mountain of just incredible experiences, evidence, and phenomenon. So, um, you know, History Channel sort of holds us to that standard. And, and so does Brandon, by the way, and, and Travis and Eric. I mean, they're Travis and Eric, they're, they're legit scientists. Yep. They're not going to, they will not risk their, you know, their reputation and their, you know, their careers to, to just make, you know, fodder entertainment. And Brandon was very clear from the get-go that, you know, nothing can be untrue. So, you know that's not the case with a lot of networks. You know, sure, and and sure. in history, they have history in their name. So, um, you know, it, we're fortunate that they give us the freedom to explore and tell the story that's really existing and taking place. You know, a lot of times, <laughs> and and you know, I, I got along and I get along great, and I love everybody in the cast. They're just such good guys, and I consider them all friends now. But uh, you know, there were times where we'd get into it, and they'd have to remind me. The science leads the story. The story does not lead the science. Ooh. So you're right. You know, you're right. We're, we're here to document, you know. You're yeah, right. History Channel does a great job. As a matter of fact. You know, one thing that I love about doing the, the interviews on the podcast, this podcast has been on the air now, well, in two months it's been on the air for 10 years. Yep, 10 years. And I do a morning show in town. I've been on the morning show for 37 mm-hmm. years. And, and every time you talk about somebody or anybody, I have anybody on the show and they reference somebody, I have these great flashbacks, like you mentioned, The Unexplained. Mm-hmm. I have interviewed uh, William Shatner at least 50 to 100 times over the year, probably <laughs> yeah. more than that. And I don't know why he does it, but every time I talk to him, he goes, Tom, how you doing, Tom? <laughs> like made up a new way to say Tom, apparently. You what know, a- I've heard that about him, that he says people's names, you know, in yes, his own way. He does. Great guy, though. I, I've never had a problem with him. Now... When I've had a couple and of And he's still old... going. I mean, yeah. he just, didn't he just turn like 80 or something? No, 93, isn't he? I think. What? Oh my God. And, he's, and he's still doing it. 
Like I don't, you know, it's just ninety-one. Some people, 91. the level of energy they have, I just, yeah. I am just, I will always be in awe. Of ninety-one it. years, yeah, he just turned ninety-one in March. Oh, he did. It's okay. crazy. Isn't that unbelievable? That's yeah. Um, him, right? So now we don't want to take anything away from the History Channel's uh, series, the, the Secret of Skinwalker Ranch, but a little, just kind of an inkling about where we're headed with this. I don't, you know, don't reveal the story because I want to watch it. But what's it all about? Yeah, um, well, lucky for you, I'm not allowed to reveal too much. Yeah, I would have. <laughs> lucky for you, <laughs> but, you know, Tom. But, Tom. But I'll say this, you know, um, what, what's great about this year's investigation is, and you can see it in the super tease, you know, the tease at the end of the show. That's the promo for what's coming down the pipe in the season. So I'm not giving too much away to say, that, to say that, you know, one of the primary areas of interest continues to be the triangle, what's been labeled the triangle. This was identified as this location early on where they you know, identified a strange um, energy signal from a mile up that they were able to triangulate. And then they dug down below and found a strange substance that um, had materials consistent with aircraft or spacecraft. Oh. Um, and, and, you know, we, we followed up directly this year in the episode that aired last night. The first experiment that the guys did was a follow-up to the last experiment they did last season. They went up in the helicopter, in, in Brandon's helicopter with Cameron Fugel, in order to try to get some measurements as to what was up at that 5,000-foot spot above the triangle. But as they tried to engage the, the region, the altimeter warning on the helicopter was, was going off saying it was only the helicopter was only 40 feet above 50 feet above the ground meaning there was something underneath them and no and there wasn't there there was nothing there nobody could see anything now what happened was uh after the fi- the show f- um finished filming and eric you know through the footage eric was able to see what looks like these black streaks that are just there for a couple of frames flying underneath the helicopter so, you know, what the heck is that? Nobody knows. So the first experiment that the guys did was they went back up in the helicopter up to that 5,000-foot spot. But this time, it took a series of tubes with GPS units in them. And the idea is go up to that spot. If there is something anomalous in the air, drop a bunch of GPS sensors down through it and see if... Later, when you put the GPS data into a 3D model, you notice any sort of deviation from the flight path, right, from the descent. Um, For instance, if there's a gravitational anomaly, will these GPS sensors appear to go around it and therefore give us a three-dimensional image constructed of not only what the anomaly is, but exactly where it is? You know, in a true Skinwalker Ranch fashion, nothing goes according to plan. Um, (laughs) And and they were just, you know, wrought with with equipment failures and issues, but did manage to get data from two GPS units that showed not only one of the bottles looking like it actually, like, hit something in the middle of the air and moved. But then the strangest thing is that the when the helicopter was on its ascent up, the GPS data showed it not only underground, but flying into and out of the Mesa. And if you know anything about the lore and the history, that's called that Mesa part of the Mesa is called Skinwalker Ridge. Oh, right. You know, that's, that's, there's a lot of storage in there. So I can tell you that what happened in last night's episode is definitely con- continued throughout the season. You know, one of the things that these guys did this year was they followed up on everything. Right. There wasn't a, well, that didn't go according to plan or we got some data. Let's just move on to something completely different. No, every experiment 
has something to do with the previous. It's imp- it was very important to them that they make sure to continue to connect those dots. So we have these great experiences with GPS data, with you know this anomaly above the triangle, with you know the, the flight path in the Mesa. And I'll tell you right now, that is that sets the tone for the entire the entire season. You know what I find fascinating about all that stuff, whether it's you know, a belief in a deity or, or a belief in, in, in beings from outer space. I, I looking and look through a telescope sometime and tell me we're the only beings in this vast, vast universe. It's ridiculous to think we're the only ones here. Yeah, sure. And, and as we learn more and more about the, you know, the multiverse, you know, yeah, or, yep. or, you know, parallel worlds, or now we have the intersecting parallel worlds theory and quantum physics and quantum entanglement and, you know, uh, micro micro black hole and wormhole and portals. You know, that was one of the things that the guys talked about with this experiment was we've been hearing this story of a portal above Skinwalker Ranch ever since we began. The stories go back to the Shermans, you know, who lived there when when you know, prior to, to Nids and, and Bigelow, who saw, you know, portals open up in the sky and things come out. Um, so, you know, my question is always like if you can accept the possibility that there's something in the air there that connects spaces you know, spaces, places, or time, however you want to look at it, mm-hmm. what's on the other side? Right. Um, and, and, and that's really the most compelling thing to me. What's, you know, who or what is on the other side? And I, and I like to think, you know, I'm actually in the process of writing an article for the Alien Con online magazine about the season of The Ranch. And I like to say, you know, I like to believe that in some other reality, there's a group of scientists interacting with, a space above their land, a spot in the sky where they've had anomalous, you know, uh, readings where, you know, every time we fire a rocket, they see a bright light and yeah. say there's a UAP in the sky, you know, and they send a drone and we see a UAP or whatever. Right. I mean, I want, I, I like to think that there's um, these other possibilities that exist that are just incredibly fascinating to, to, wonder about from a scientific perspective as well as you know even the science fiction you know uh, sort of perspective of you know are there extraterrestrials are there interdimensional beings what Mm -hmm. you know we do know one of the fascinating things about this season is you know in 2017 when the the tic-tac video was released the the world changed overnight you know this you know and and then the acknowledgement of the of the uap program the federal uap program and then the federal uap report summary that was released and now the dia documents you know skinwalker ranch was really you know sort of the beginning of a lot of those things and they studied this stuff we know that the dia studied things like wormhole technology and and were interested in dimensional um transdimensional you know technologies understanding because of their experiences at skinwalker ranch so we're we're really picking up where something left off, but being able to do it in a way now that's not sort of, you know, wrought with a stigma that it used to be. You know, when I started the ghost hunting shows, you know, back in early 2000, people were still like, I don't know if I want to tell someone my house is haunted. Now, oh, sure. if you tell someone your house is haunted, you've got a lot of people out your door <laughs> waiting to get in, right? That's true. You yeah. know, and, yeah. and so we're, we're, we're now at that point. And because of the, the acknowledgement by the federal government and governments around the world, this season, the, the investigative team was able to interact and discuss um, and get information from, from people that never would have been able to speak before. 
Mark, I need a favor from you as we go forward, and if you ever do meet some extraterrestrial beings, could you do me a favor and ask them to come down here and, and take the far left and the far right political opinions and erase them so all of us in the middle can live our lives again? <laughs> Just take them to another planet. Yeah, it's take the only you, way we're going to get it done. Just get you them know, out of not, here. Not to go off on a, on a tangent here, but you know, people always like, don't you think that the, you know, the aliens and extraterrestrials are here? And I have to say... Just from a like a logistical, logical perspective, what do we have to offer them? Yeah, they want, right. <laughs> they're gonna want. Oh, let's go. Let's go watch this worldwide reality show of of conflict and drama. Oh and, God, you know, and and I mean, come on, you know, and, and I say that jokingly, but I also say that semi seriously. You know, why why do we think that we are you know worthy of interaction if we don't have contribution? It's true. Um, but that, true. You know, yeah, let's wipe out. Let's, let's wipe out extremism in every in every sense of the word, and get back to um, you know shared experience and, and, and shared um, you know shared what we share in our lives that make us more like each other instead of different. Mm-hmm. So you know, I just think as a nice Catholic kid, as a youngster, I think everybody should become Catholic so they can all get along because they all believe the same thing. Works for me. You know, I, I was raised Catholic, Roman Catholic. No, um, not Marinaccio. Never heard of it. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, uh, um, but uh, my, I went to St. Joseph's Prep High School in Philadelphia, which is Jesuits. Sure. And that gave me a whole new understanding on sort of, you know, what it means to, to, to give and to connect. Um, and, and, you know, and I'm not a religious person. At no, by I'm not either. Obviously, but, right. growing up in northern New Jersey, Roman Catholic, you can't be at your adulthood. You know? <laughs> <laughs> just how it happens, right? But you know, I um, was top, top. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead and finish. I'll, I'll, no, no, no. You know, I was just saying. So I'm not religious by by any stretch, but I value, I value um, you know, the community. The the uh, the. You know, I even sent my kids to for a while to to Catholic and, and Christian schools, just because, you know, at the end of the day, we just need to not be jerks. Yeah, we did the same thing. Andy who was on the show. Yeah, Alex, our daughter, is usually on the show today, but she's got yeah. a sick child. But they went to Catholic school as well, and it's not because we're Catholic. It's just because, uh, Mark, I quit high school in 10th grade, and they asked me why I was quitting. I said, because I learned the same thing you're teaching in 10th grade and 5th grade at Catholic mm. school. Great schools. Mm-hmm. But I think, Mark, the number one thing about it is, uh, watching things, I think it's good for people to watch things like The Secret of Skinwalker Ranch to maybe, maybe there's, maybe I'm not right about everything. Maybe I don't know everything. Maybe sure. I shouldn't be angry about everything. I think it's good for them. Well, you know, Travis talks about that pretty, you know, um, in depthly. You know, he he came onto that show in season one with the eye roll. Right? He right. was like, "What <laughs> is this nonsense you people are talking about? I am here. I am here with science and data. You know, and." And and he was like, I'm going to, you know, just not going to mess around with any of this other BS. And, you know, and now he literally says, I don't know what to believe anymore. Right. Which is good. <laughs> you know, that's a good that's thing. Good. It's we have to you stress the muscle of thought, you know, and, and and challenge beliefs in order to to gain perspective. Right. Makes total sense. Are you having just a ball in your career? It sounds like you have so much fun in your career. Yeah, you know I do. Look, I mean, making television shows, you know, it's, it's a grind, right? And, sure. and honestly, I do not, I don't run shows anymore. I don't don't produce, run direct uh, shows anymore, unless it's something that I'm passionate about. And 
um, I made that conscious decision to really do a lot of other things. I, I always want to be a storyteller, tell the stories of, mm-hmm. of the unknown, but so I can do it through a, a few different ways. I have a, um, the first in a science fiction uh, series novel that I, that I wrote and released. I've got scripted projects to work. I've got my social media, the at strange story co where I engage with people. Um, but this project was, like I said, I wanted to get to that ranch for 15 years. So I did it. Um, so I get to enjoy the best parts of my career in that, you know, I don't, I'm not a slave to the paycheck. Um, so, mm-hmm. you know, and that's, and that's cause in, in the unscripted business, I mean, it grinds you down. You would, there is no time for life when you're making these shows because it's documentary, it's documentary filmmaking in, in so many ways that, you know, you're living it, you know, you're, you're living it, you're breathing it, you're eating it. So in order to tell a story properly, you are a part of it. You know, um, you don't, mm-hmm. you don't punch a clock. You don't, you know, go home and turn off and not think about it at night and weekends, you know? Um, plus a lot of times these types of shows, you're doing a lot of night filming, but you're still working during the day. So um, I've found a way through these other outlets to really enjoy this type of storytelling and story exploration, which is where I really call it uh, even more than, than I ever did before. So with a hundred people to kind of, wrangle and handle um and the only reason i'm asking this question mark is i'm trying to learn something how to how to better deal with my own life (laughs) i deal with a few people on on the morning show and and this is a family thing so we all work together very well and it's not that that i just uh, it's such a grind as you're saying making a a tv series and all the rest of it i have days where oh we can't hear tom where's tom well and i'm talking to him i can hear them and they can't hear me Mm -hmm. Uh, i've told these people 50 times make sure all the buttons are pushed yeah. Mark, how do you do that with a hundred people, Mark? That's what I want it's to like, know. It's like the story of the IT guy who had to fly across the country to fix the server, and all he had to do was, you know, turn the power button on. Which <laughs> asked him to do a hundred times, and they all swore it was on. I'm not um, kidding you, Mark. I just went through it. No, you know, I, organization. <laughs> I, I use technology to my advantage. So on that show in particular, on Sex Me to the ER in particular, there was new uh, a new online software called. Um, I don't know how you pronounce it, Asana or Asana, you know, A-S-A-N-A at the yep. time. And I don't, I don't have a need for it right now. But at the time, that changed my life because I was able to fully organize all the different departments and the people within those departments and the tasks within those that people had. But it was everybody shared. So the people would have to update their own progress, their own tasks. When I had, you know, instead of at the end of my day going home with, uh, you know, a handful of scripts to read and give notes on, I knew throughout the day when a script was ready for me to read um, and I could manage my own day. Um, you know, that that was the, the using the technology for organization. And now, you know, I'm, and I'm, a, I'm a tech nut. I've always been. I, I'm a writer, so I love the pen and paper feel. But at the same time, I have a remarkable tablet, which is one of the, you know, the, the e-ink tablets where... I can carry this thin little piece of electronics around with me anywhere. And it's the equivalent to 20 journals and a thousand books. Mm. Um, and it's organized and I keep everything organized. So it's honestly, it's just organization, you know, it's, and, and for people it's different. You know, I may have a board with everything up on the wall, handwritten and then mm-hmm. stuff on the computer that's, that mirrors that because you know, it just depends at what time, at what point in time, you know, um, um, my brain is going to, recall or receive that information the best is it going to because it's written and on a wall or is it because i'm reading it on a tablet or on the computer screen um so uh, repetition sort of i think is 
is a key to the organization as well. Um, and so sometimes, you know, if people aren't aren't remembering what their tasks are, oh god, you make you make a list, and you know, and then people are are accountable to their own lists. Um, and you know, I do the same thing I do with my kids a lot. It's like, look, you can be forgiven for being for being forgetful. We all are. Yeah. What you right. can't what you can't be forgiven is you know not taking steps to to you know counteract or manage that you know um it, you know when somebody comes to take your order at a restaurant and they don't write it down the automatic expectation is something's going to be wrong it's great when they and it's wonderful when they when they bring it to you and it's correct but just for peace of mind <laughs> fake you know lie to me let me think you're writing it down the order right. um just because that but that's always things like you know did you write it down um and that's you know and, and it's funny i'm coming from a writer right did you write it down <laughs> yeah that's just, interesting it's sort of like what I was saying. If we didn't film it, it doesn't exist on the show. If you don't write it down, it doesn't ex- might as well not exist because it's gone. And I learned very, very long time ago, and I use it on the because I don't go into the same studio. I have my own studio, so I'm not with them. That's why they, you know, whatever. <laughs> but I, uh, in the immortal words of Christopher Walken, "Do what I tell you, or I'll do some damage you won't walk away from." <laughs> wow, <laughs> one of the greatest quotes of all time. <laughs> I will tell you that, Mark Marinaccio. You got to come back, Mark. I love talking to you, man. Just talking about the uh, seriously the show, Secrets uh, at Skinwalker Ranch, or the business, the History Channel, all the things we talked about today. How people are not paying attention anymore. Anytime you want to come on and talk, Mark, I'd love to have you back. Anytime, my pleasure. Thank you, sir. Have a good day. You Mark, too. Thanks for having me on. Mark Marinaccio, ladies and gentlemen, History Channel's groundbreaking nonfiction series, The Secret of Skinwalker Ranch. Last night, Tuesday, May third. 10 o'clock Eastern, of course, 9 o'clock Central Time, The Secret of Skinwalker Ranch. Hell of a show. And thank you again to Mark. We'll be right back right after this. Tom here for Shift Real Estate. Last year, about this time when we were making plans for Key West, I met the folks from Shift Real Estate. And when I heard the Shift story, it made sense to me. It made sense to my kids, and it makes sense to pretty much everybody that's heard about them. Shift Real Estate saves home sellers thousands of dollars on real estate fees. How do they do it? Shift lists for a flat fee of $5,000. You work with a full-time salaried agent. They take professional photos and videos of your home, list it on the MLS, and market your home online, all for a $5,000 flat fee. Call Shift Real Estate and tell them about your home. Tell them that you heard me talking about it, and they will tell you how you can save $10,000 or more when you list with Shift. It's the common sense way to sell your home. Visit shift2sell.com. That's shift, the number two, sell.com. Because life is expensive enough. And we are back with Stretch's Picks. You know, Tom, uh, there's a lot of analysis that goes into these picks. Yeah. And uh, I highly recommend betting, of course. I always recommend betting. Yeah, absolutely. So who's winning this thing? The kitties, the pack, the bears, or the purple? None of the above. Those are all the teams in the division. I know that. Well, who's your pick? I'm going with Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning. What? It's not a football team. I know, but it's a hell of an HVAC company. They do the most thorough system tune-up in the industry. Sabre is one of the largest Bryant dealers in the state, which means you save. Yep, I'm going with Sabre, Sabre and Bryant, doing whatever it takes to keep you comfortable. It's also the smartest time to call and schedule your furnace tune-up with Sabre. Get the most thorough tune-up in the industry from the people who keep my home comfortable. 
Oh, uh, one more thing, Tom. What's that? Visit saberheating.com. Tom here for Continuum Weight and Well-Being. If you were like me and constantly finding yourself in weight loss mode, I have great news. Continuum is here. It's new and they're doing it differently. There are no meal replacements or foods you're required to purchase. They specialize in customizing meal plans for you using all whole nutritious foods. They don't just focus on weight loss. They are upfront with their pricing. And most importantly, Continuum is designed for long-term success. Schedule a free consultation. Find out more today. Simply go to their website, Continuum Weight weightwellbeing.com or call or text them at 952-491-6527 and catch the Continuum team on my podcast on Thursdays, 11.15 a.m. I've learned so much from them, and I know you will too. Continuum Weight and Wellbeing Life Beyond Weight Loss Mode. Back, May the 4th be with you. Yeah. May the 4th, it's exactly Star right. Wars Day or something. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, it is Star Wars Day. No question about it. Tip of the cap, by the way, to Dolly Parton for making the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, even though she doesn't sing rock and roll. Rock and roll? She made it in the Rock and Roll Hall Did of Fame. Did she ever do a rock and roll song? I don't think so. I do love her, though. She's terrific. <clears throat> i got to make a re-reference on this, uh, Chappelle, because there's something new now oh, to this story. Arrest made in Chappelle attack, but now renewed controversy. The comedian is under fire for his trans comments again. Oh, for God's sakes. Who cares? After a huge response by the LAPD following an attack on comedian Dave Chappelle during his performance at the Hollywood Bowl Tuesday night, police say an arrest has been made, reports the Los Angeles Times. A man ID'd by cops as Isaiah Lee, 23, was booked on charges of assault with a deadly weapon, being held on $30,000 bail. The attacker is alleged to have uh, had his, uh, on his person a replica gun with a built-in knife, though the 48-year-old comedian wasn't injured. Officials aren't speaking on a motive. They uh, yet aren't yet sure how the suspect got the weapon through security because it was all plastic. The blade was plastic, not uh-huh. metal. Uh-huh. Interesting. <clears throat> Meanwhile, an old controversy has once more reared his head thanks to a remark Chappelle made to the audience. A BuzzFeed journalist who was at the show noted that Chappelle made a trans joke, his exact breathless words. Buzz. It was a trans man. It's a joke for Christ's sake. They don't get the joke because oh, he God. he has been being under fire or for just making jokes about everybody. He always has. Always have makes fun of all skin colors, it's like, all races. If you don't like whatever. him, don't watch his shows. Don't you know, don't buy his albums. Don't pay any attention to him whatsoever. Well, they're upset if you don't because like they him. don't actually have any real power. As long as the other person doesn't capitulate, then the outrage mob has no power. Right. And he's problem. not capitulating, right. and it's making them feel as impotent as they actually are, yes. and that's making them very upset. Yes. Here's the deal. Uh, what's been talked it. about on this show, it's been talked on the morning show. This family knows, last I checked, it was three, and maybe it's more than that now, three trans people. Cliff Siegel, one of my best friends growing up, played football with him in a whole deal is now Lawrence Eagle. He did the first transgender traffic report in radio history on KQRS. I love Lauren as much as I loved Cliff. Wonderful guy. There's another couple of people, that one of them doesn't want his name or her name now mentioned, uh, but then there was another friend of the family. I don't think I should mention her name Mm-mm. either. because uh, <laughs> No, because they didn't, they didn't you know, give me the... the okay to do so now lauren as i said has appeared on the kq morning show many times uh here's the deal so i've talked many times about this the fact that this family our family has has uh last count anyway maybe it's more now but three trans people as friends in the family 
I've not gotten one phone call from any of these type of people saying, you know, it's so great that you support the trans community as much as you do. So they're never there to congratulate you and thank you. They're always there to rip the piss oh, out of you. Said, the whole world is all about like mongers. Everybody mm-hmm. wants it's to true. get likes. That's all they care about. I mean, I they'll say any outrageous, egregious, terrible thing just to get likes. Uh, but look, if you're going to go after people, look, Dave Chappelle is not trying to bury trans people or whatever. He's a comedian, for Christ's sake. He's going to tell jokes about black people, about trans people, about whatever. Relax. Well, He's not making your life any The fact that somebody harder. was going to attack him and possibly kill him, he might have been a little stressed out. Yeah, just yeah. a little wound. Yeah, that's uh, Maybe true. he didn't tell the greatest joke at the moment. So, you know what? Just maybe cut him some slack. Somebody tried to murder him on but stage. But once again... When people do the exact opposite and support you 100%, where are all these people going, hey, man, that's great that you do that? Like I said, it's Not just, one word. What's the biblical saying about how you see the speck in your brother's eye when you've got a log in a your boulder, own? A boulder. I thought it was a speck in a boulder. I think Something it's a like log that. in a speck. Maybe there's a speck on your log. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe. But, yeah, I mean, that's exactly what what it is, is looking, looking for things Always looking for things to be wrong is a very easy thing to do. Yeah, but again, why do you want, I I will tell you for the 9,000th time, I would never admit it if you victimized me. I could never admit that. You victimized me. You're never going to hear that from me. Sorry. And I've been victimized before in the past. I'm being victimized right now by a few people. Yeah. I, you know, I don't, whatever. You're assholes and you do what you do. Am I going to waste time being pissed off at the world? No. You're assholes. Not everybody's an asshole like you are. So we move on, right? <laughs> right. Well, am I wrong? No, you're not wrong. I mean, yes, there are some people in this world that are disgusting. But I will tell you this. The three people that are going after me right now are on that way far left side. So I don't know what – look, like I said, first uh, first morning show in America with all those different kinds of people on it, uh, whatever, this, that. We had, I believe – 30 years ago, might have been 25, 26 years ago, had a, a man-to-woman tra- trans and a woman-to-man trans, and that never comes up either. We supported trans people for decades now, and nobody even Funny, knows it. It wasn't fashionable. Oh, so that's what it is, yes, isn't it? It's not fashionable. Yes, the politicians weren't on that There's no money to be made from it then. No, exactly. Yeah, there you go. And that's exactly what it's all about. You have about. to be in, in fashion. Everything has to be in fashion. But don't you think that most people, and I don't know about most people, but do you, can you think of anybody in our family or any of my friends or your friends or whatever that care, you know, as long as you're treated well, you know, they support people, whatever whatever you need. Well, the number one cameo uh person is is what what's her name it used to be uh, bruce jenner was it kate kylie jenner no not kylie jenner what what's jenner's name oh caitlin caitlin jenner yeah mm-hmm. you know he's the number one or she now is the number one cameo person you know to do a two-minute cameo twenty five hundred dollars mm. <laughs> I mean, that's pretty good when you look at it yeah and she's by far number one so apparently people don't have a problem with with man, man to woman trans people because he's very, very popular. I think or that she now. what people are having a hard time with is all of this, this extreme activism being shoved down I everyone's know. throat. I couldn't agree more. That's the problem. If you could just state your point and move along, 
and not have to have everybody, like Andy said, bow down in front of you because you have an opinion, Yep. then it would be really nice. Do you think it's a lot of people who have never been out of this country that think America is the worst place on earth? I know. It's like with this abortion issue. You know, it's a state nobody, thing. Nobody. There's three countries that allow after, I think, week 14 or 15 yeah. abortions. It's the United States, China, and North Korea. There you go. All the rest have to be below 14 weeks. It's just amazing. And we're constantly saying how far we're so much, we're so backwards compared to Europe and this and that. What? No, they like, don't know anything about Europe. They don't know. They don't. They have this like uh, Hollywood idea of what Europe is like, where everything is free and everyone is happy and can do whatever they want. Well, you know? it's like that show. What's that magician that fools people? Carbonaro effect. The Carbonaro effect. <clears throat> Every time he and when he's got some, you know, he's he's got a trick. He's got something, some product that's going to do something that's going to be like really mm-hmm. crazy. Yeah. He's always like, oh yes, this was uh, made in Macedonia. Yep. It's a right. it's a special <laughs> fish from you know. Yeah, he, he just does. makes it because people are like, oh, I'm not, I haven't heard of it, yep. so it's got to be right. I don't know yeah, about Macedonia, yeah. so right. it's most likely that this could be true. Some exotic thing. I like I said. I just I well, we we have learned from watching the Outlaws, uh, the TV show, that uh, England has the exact same problems with with white people and black people that we do. Yeah, we were watching it. Like, I mean, it's the exact same argument, and and now basically it's a world argument. If you think that black and white people didn't get along just in America, you're nuts. It's been a global problem from day one that people who look different than you are your enemies until they prove they're it's not. It's been an economic issue from well, day no one. No doubt about Whenever it. Whenever people migrate from someplace because they're escaping war-torn tr- territories, or whether they've been taken. Against sold their by will, their own country people. sold by people to other people, yeah. you're going to have economic disparities. That's uh, just how it is. And until the education of said people and the work catch up, it's all, it's going to stay the same. It is. You, you can't you can't legislate out of the ghetto if you're going to keep being a drug dealer. No, it's going to be pretty tough. You probably end up dead. Yeah, you know, and I'm not saying that there's obviously there's definitely hurdles for minorities well, to get yeah, over. Well, yeah, poor people. Well, poor people. Not just minorities, but poor people. I'm sure. I'm sure in the past. I mean, especially in the 60s, well, in the past, 70s, it was yeah, different. yeah, That's it was totally a lot harder deal. to break into certain things. I'm sure for them than it would be if they had white skin. You know that yeah. has to be true. It Look, is true. All I'm saying is just follow the lead of Mark. And Timmy Lammers, just stop being so goddamn crabby. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, well, like I said, that's how you get a big followership on social media is to be super crabby and just say outrageous things. Yeah, because you get get likes then Mm -hmm. and you get hits and all that. It's all digital is destroying the world, which I told them was going to do 10 years ago. It is destroying the world because all people care about are likes. Boy, oh my, I was out really outrageous, but everybody loved it. Well, and you were talking about victimhood. People love victimhood on oh, social media, God, too. Oh, they ever. Oh, me too. I was victimized. It's terrible. I feel your pain. You're so brave. It's You're stunning and brave for bringing this up so people can talk about these things. I mean, it, they, it, it just plays really 
well on social media, and I don't see that type of thing going away anytime soon. No, I don't either. Uh -uh. Okay, to lighten things up a little bit, how much have have you ever spent on a shirt, Andy? The most you ever spent on buying a shirt? Andy? He, he waits for people to give him shirts. Yeah. <laughs> Seven dollars. <laughs> Seven dollars, you're thinking, Catherine? Uh, it's, about probably, you? it's probably like 20. 20 bucks, Catherine? Oh. A couple hundo? Uh, if a it, was summer, it, was, it was something for something fancy that yeah. I had to wear like to a charity event or whatever. Right. Yeah, maybe a couple hundred bucks. But very rarely. Yeah, very rarely. Probably 100, 150 bucks for a shirt is the most I ever spent. I uh, was, uh, was expected to fetch big bucks, and it outpaced even those expectations. The shirt worn by Diego Maradona when he scored the controversial Hand of God goal against England in 1986 World Cup. The jersey he was wearing that day just sold for $9.3 million. Just stop. Get that. <laughs> that collector stuff? I don't. I don't either. It doesn't I'm make sorry. any sense to me. Why would I, mean, I care to have guess, his shirt? And it's probably because my mom always was collecting just the stuff stupidest things that oh, she really? thought i'm oh, sorry yeah. you know god rest her soul she <laughs> that was a very old lady thing yeah, to do figurines hummels, hummels and stuff. or something something called hummels little hummels? i think they were himmels or hummels or some sort of figurine oh, yeah and, hummel figurines here we and go and then what was that oh uh, i've seen those yeah yeah she had a couple of those and she everywhere they went they bought like a silver spoon yep the silver spoons, oh, of plates. Oh, yeah, the silver some sort spoons. Of plates. That's yeah, what right. was that? You're right. They were, yeah, the commemorative plates. Yeah, I think. it was some company that used yep. to put out. My mom and dad, when they were moving, they told me, oh, we've got all of these commemorative plates from, I don't know what the yep. name of that company is. And um, they're worth a Let's ton see. of money. They're collector's items. And I went on the oh, internet. No. I said, okay, I'll try to sell them for you. <laughs> oh, no. I will try to sell them for you. Everybody had brand new boxes yep. of these plates. Mm -hmm. They were like the United States seal, and mm -hmm. uh, I don't know. It's like when presidents get elected, they put out a plate. Yeah, and some there's sort a of... princess die plate. Yeah. Really? Yeah, there's a, there's a plate there's for just, everything. There were just a ton of them. You can get a Joe Biden plate right now for yeah. 60 bucks. See, there you go. Uh, so I, I was like, I'll, I'll sell them for you because they were expecting, you know, they were expecting thousands of dollars for these yeah. plates. They had like, I think right. a dozen of them. And I'm like, mm -hmm. I hate to tell you this, but the best I can do for you is $40 oh, for all of them. They it was... My dad almost <laughs> fell over. They mm -hmm. thought they were sitting on a little pile of money there well, and the problem with that mind. kind of thing is the more people buy them the less value they have so exactly. if they're very popular then they're not going to have exactly. any value because there's there's i mean there's yeah. um there's nes games out there you know 40 years old at this point almost uh and they're worth like 50 cents because so many people bought them yeah. just because they're old and they're unique doesn't mean anything if there's a million of them right. out there. Or if there's also NES games out there that are worth tens of thousands of dollars because so few people bought them that oh. they're rare. Okay. That's what matters is rarity. Yeah. What were those little puppies when you were a kid? The little... Beanie Babies? Beanie oh, Babies, yes. Oh, my God, yes. the oh, Beanie God, Babies. I forgot about those. Oh, my God. Beanie Babies, that's yeah. right. Those well, they, And thing. they were trading for tons of money were, even back yeah. then. They were, yeah. I'm sure that's a bygone craze. I think it went under, actually. Beanie Babies is gone? Beanie Babies was Thai, I think. I think yeah, it was Thai. Mm -hmm. Let's see. The most expensive Beanie Babies in the world. Uh, you had a couple mm, of Beanie Babies. I Yeah, but... I don't know. I never collected them. No. There's a few that are worth quite a bit. 
Bubbles the fish is worth one hundred twenty nine thousand dollars. Oh, if you go yeah, to if you go to a, an estate sale or a garage sale and you see Bubbles the fish, you better grab it. <laughs> you better oh, grab but it, only baby. error Bubbles the fish. Which means, like, the tag is wrong, oh, or the, oh. the mouth is the wrong color. Oh. That makes it extra valuable. Really? Ah. Yep. One so, of a kind. Mm-hmm, pretty much. Well, that, that's exactly it. If there's an error in the manufacturing yep. process, it makes it one of a kind. I just, like I said, I've just, I don't know, after watching my mom collect weird stuff and thinking that it was always going to be worth a ton of money, I I used to talk about this with Louis Anderson. His mom liked to collect. Oh, yeah. Stuff. I, I do remember the that. A collector's yeah. item. Mm-hmm. And then when he gave, I remember one time, he gave, I don't know if it was Alex or Andy, or a, a bobblehead of himself. Yes. Yep. And, and a watch. Which I don't watch. know what ever happened to that watch. That was, uh, yeah, it was sure a, that's long uh, What was his cartoon? Life with Louis. Life with Louis mm-hmm. watch. And I opened him up, and I'm like, oh, my God, I didn't know you had merch. And he says, those are going to be collector's items someday. Uh, well, might <laughs> and I mean, now. he was earnest, and I, I, and I started see. laughing. He's they like, what's so now. funny? And I said, you, you, know, you are your mother. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. you and go. you're my mother, You can buy too. a Life with Louie watch unopened in the package for 30 bucks. Oh, so, oh Well, Louis. not, okay. I mean, it's a watch, you know. How about the bobbleheads? Let's see. Toots had a bottle bobblehead of Louie Yes, Anderson. yeah. I don't Tim Valenti and Louis Anderson. Oh. Which I love because Louis was very, very liberal, and Tim Valenti was, he wasn't very conservative, but he was conservative. Uh, the official Louis bobblehead, uh, here's one up here. Well, this, let me find uh, sold listings because oh. that's what actually matters. Yeah. Okay, while you're looking for it, can I ask Mom uh, a question? Mm-hmm. 50 bucks? Mm. Oh, it's 50 bucks. So we're sitting on head. $80 of yeah. 80 Louis bucks, merch baby. right there. $80, baby. <laughs> All right, we'll close with this one. I'm going to just read you part of the descriptor. A little seven year old girl named Brinley Heidebrink. That Brindley. name sounds familiar. Heidebrink. Heidebrink. Yeah. Mm. Not Brinley, but the Heidebrink part. Did I know Heidebrink? I don't How do you know. spell it? Uh, H-E-I-D-E-B-R-I-N-K. Brinley Heidebrink. Heidebrink and Associates? There you go. Oh, yeah, Heidebrink and Associates in Laverne, Minnesota. There you go. That's so it is, yeah, it's a Minnesota thing. It's in <clears throat> yep. auto, oh, it's an insurance company, apparently. Oh, it is? Okay. Huh. Okay. Girl, seven years old. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's a seven-year-old girl. She's gone to Mass at a Catholic church. She shows off one of her skills to the priest as she's, uh, he delivers the, the uh, what do they call it again? Communion? The communion wafer. Yeah, it's called a communion wafer. I thought it had another name, though. <laughs> okay, so you have to guess what it was, the skill that she showed. You're not usually supposed to blah, 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 blah. Anyway, uh, if you're only seven years old, but Brinley Heidebrink just broke the mold, the Sioux, oh, Sioux Falls Argus leader, so she is from the area, yeah. Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Brandon, South Dakota, which is even closer to Twin Cities, I believe, reports that the little girl, her first communion on April 23rd, she's seven years old in Brandon, South Dakota, she showed off a skill that the priest was shocked that she had. What skill did she show? Seven-year-old Brindley Heidebrink, her very first communion. Lizard tongue? I don't know. (laughs) Close enough. Transubstantiation? You ready? 
No. Yes. Girl 7 shows off her communion wine chugging skills. She's literally chugging the whole bottle of wine. She was thirsty. I think he would have stopped her. He has a look on his face like, oh, oh, oh. He's just shocked that this girl is doing that. She's 7 and she downs about a fifth of wine. It's better than having a lizard tongue. That's true. All right. That's going to do. I love the show today. It was a lot of fun. Yay. Just the three of us in here. That was kind of nice. I get to take Jude to Home Depot. Oh, he loves Home Depot. Oh, he does. Daisy loves Home Depot. And people are are always, can I pet your dog? Give him (laughs) treats. So I have to sit there for holding stuff while people are petting Jude. They sit down on the floor to pet Jude. They love dogs there. And Menards won't let him in. I know. It's crazy. I know. Won't let who in? Dogs. Oh, Menards dogs. Yeah, yeah that's Menards right. is anti-dog. That's yep. weird. Menards hates dogs. <laughs> All right, we'll talk to you tomorrow. First. With the family. Bye.